Alternative Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Mr. Premier, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Songhezo here. Uh, good evening, Songhezo. Thanks, thanks for having me in your program. Thank you for joining us. First things yeah. first, give us please an account of the province, its response. There was a time where the Eastern Cape was quite immune to this until one lady from Germany came, and I understand she was working at the Mercedes-Benz factory and things have looked bleak since in fact eastern cape is now one of the epicenters of the country in relation to the covid 19 virus yes 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 you just indicated from that uh, particular uh, case that we recorded uh, the numbers have been uh, growing exponentially uh, because uh, of uh, two other funerals that uh, then followed and uh, that incident those two funerals almost uh, constituted themselves as an epicenter, one in Port St. John's and the other one uh, in Port Elizabeth. Uh, from there, our numbers have been just growing like that. Uh, we've been uh, relatively doing fine in ensuring that uh, we deal uh, with any kind of an outbreak that we, we come across in terms of uh, following up, tracing uh, those who might have been associated. And we've always been above 90%. Uh, yes, here and there we we had difficulties. You know, funerals you don't have attendance registers where probably you can easily find everyone who they've been in a funeral, etc., uh, etc. Et but we've been working uh, from then and to ensure that uh, uh, we are able to contain this. And uh, clearly, the movement, uh, huge uh, numbers, the influx. Actually, the influx that we experienced immediately when the president announced the, the lockdown. People were coming back home from Johannesburg and uh, Devon and Cape Town. was another uh, disastrous kind of uh, uh, situation that we had to, uh, to contend with. But uh, we've been actually relatively trying to uh, maintain the situation and try to disrupt the transmission of the virus. Uh, but uh, clearly uh, the situation is out there now and uh, we are feeling it. I must be uh, honest uh, with you. Another outbreak uh, in our Uh, here, the prison uh, precinct, and again linked to a funeral, so to speak. And it has been another uh, problem uh, that uh, exacerbated our situation, uh, so to speak. Yeah, well, uh, we we are where we are now, uh, surely above 100, uh, because we were at about 290-something. I think with the latest test that is being issued, and uh, uh, we're expecting uh, more numbers uh, to, to, to grow because this is really now getting into almost every corner of the province. Only two uh, districts uh, out of eight that have uh, still find one positive. But our testing is actually going very well. We are above 100,000 people that we have uh, uh, screened. And uh, also we are way above uh, the... 4,000, 5,000 now, people that have been testing, who are following uh, those guidelines uh, as articulated by the World Health Organization. Uh, but we are getting there. We are basically now uh, on this massive testing, getting into the rural areas where there is a, a case confirmed. We go there and follow up, tracing, test everyone. 
Mr. Mabuyane, um, just for the record to those who have just joined, this is the Premier of the Eastern Cape Province giving us an account as to what the leadership in consultation, of course, with the National Office is doing to make sure that the Eastern Cape doesn't follow a record which, for the most part, is in a lot of critical indicators, the province is known for. I mean, if you look at health outcomes in the province, they are very poor relative to the rest of the country. And one can quite conceivably imagine that if COVID-19 were to take on a dimension of the kind that is not desirable of the provinces that would not be able to handle the mess and that would come as a result is the Eastern Cape province. Why is that not an unfair remark to make? Mr. Mabuyan. It's, 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 it's kind of unfair uh, remark. That's why we started our campaign even uh, way before we registered a single case because we knew that when this gets into us it's going to be quite catastrophic. Uh, we, we we worked uh, hoping that we can try to block it as much as we can mm. uh, because we knew exactly the the health profile of our people, uh, challenges of uh, development in our areas, uh, the capacity of our uh, the health uh, uh, space. Uh, so all those kind of issues were in our minds when we started this campaign exactly with other provinces that had numbers already, but we had no numbers then. But we were trying to call our people to observe the regulations, to observe the guidelines, to make sure that we keep uh, the hygienic uh, uh, kind of regulations. We also encourage people on social distancing, because we knew immediately it gets here. We are going to experience problems in rural areas, we are going to experience problems uh, in the uh, high densely populated areas. So, but we finally, uh, it was inevitable. I must, I must also admit yes. that uh, it wouldn't really not get here. But we were trying. But we still uh, relatively, relatively doing fine, uh, understanding the situation where we are and the level of vulnerability uh, of our people in the province. Uh, we still hope. We're still making this plea. We're still appealing to our people that our people must not. But the biggest challenge in the Eastern Cape is your funeral. Sure, no, no, we uh, will get to the funerals. To enforce regulations on those funerals, uh, it has been difficult because funerals, there has been more kind of uh, being uh, cultural and ritual, and we're trying to turn around that thinking. And, uh, and to a large extent, our people are responding very well now and lately because now it is almost uh, finding itself in any uh, geographic uh, corner of our province, uh, this, this uh, uh, virus. But we need to get our people in their home because if there are no people on the street, there is no movement of this virus. This on on that virus account then, because I'm going to have to invite you on that account of what you are saying and how funerals are posing the biggest threat in the spread of the virus in the province. I fully accept that. In fact, one of the leading figures of the Eastern Cape province who has been a member of parliament, who's very senior in the Eastern Cape by virtue of even his position culturally, Contralesa's Mwelomokonyane has said that funerals, people should be allowed to mourn as they will, including but not limited to the cultural rights that the deceased is otherwise accustomed to or should be accompanied by. Now, that statement is quite diametrically opposite to what you are saying. Do you want to set the record straight to the chief? Because I think this is an opportunity for you to tell him and everybody else who espouses that thinking that this is precisely why the Eastern Cape is fast becoming the country's epicenter. 
We were shocked uh, to see uh, that article ourselves, and we made a follow-up with him and the, uh, the MEC responsible. Uh, in discussion with the, with him, uh, he indicated that uh, he has been quoted out of, out of context. We are in one. We are agreeing. How was he quoted the, out of context? Uh, the chief. We are agreeing with them uh, that the issue of the funeral it is going to go according to the regulation. No one is going to disobey what has been put as a law in our country, chiefs included. Mm. And those chiefs must lead our people in the areas where they are and be exemplar. That's why we want to really uh, commend and uh, really applaud uh, the the 12 Apostle Church on the funeral that they've conducted over the weekend. They have a president mother uh, of the church uh, because they were exemplary. They, they demonstrated and showcased leadership. That's what you'd want to see, because those are high-profile individuals. But at that level, uh, those who are responsible. That's why now we are introducing something that says we need affidavit. If there's a funeral, there must be an affidavit. Someone must be held accountable in the family so that the regulations are adhered to uh, to the latter. Uh, we as a province, we are saying in the funerals there must be no catering. No one must be busy cooking for funerals because the more people cook, as you know, uh, from uh, where you're coming from. <laughs> what is the problem? People, they share utensils and everything. All those people are exchanging the pigs, etc. We're saying that issue on its own is just another uh, risk. To sure. No, no, I accept so it. And before we, we go putting, to the we're break. Putting those things and we say we are, we are used here uh, when people have died uh, through uh, accidents. Those people are not viewed bodies. Uh, those people are not put in the room. They go straight to the graveyard. And we are in that. This is a kind of a war that we are in, dealing with this invisible um, enemy. People must not take it for granted. It is dangerous. Excellent. Currently, we have a problem of movement between Western Cape. Some people are dying in Western Cape. No, Mr. Mabuyane, let's agree. Let's agree. Let me ask the question and then you respond to that. I know you have a lot to say about the Eastern Cape in relation to this, and you're answering questions which I've not yet asked or I'm not really keen to to, to pursue. But I think essentially, and I've got literally 30 seconds before I go to the ad break, is it your position now that everything that is attributed, at least by the articles that are on the social media spaces and other more formal spaces, attributing the sentiments expressed by Chief Mwelo Moganyan, you not only dispute that, but you are putting him in line and you are correcting him. And to the extent that necessary, if he persists with that line of thinking, you will use what measures and powers you have to bring him to book. Because it is that kind of thinking, really, that spreads the virus. Because it's not him. It's many who are in these villages who think like that. No, definitely you are putting him into line. Actually, he's one of the people who have been reported to have actually uh, uh, to, to undermined the regulations uh, on the family funeral. That is being attended to responsible MEC uh, for COCTA is dealing with the matter. Uh, we have engaged him. He has actually distanced himself on that and sharing the same sentiment with us that we are equal, we are together on excellent. this one. No, excellent. Must be respected by all. excellent. Let's take a quick ad break now. Mr. Oscar Mabuyan, the Premier of the Eastern Cape Province, he returns after the break where we're going to get to engage him and I would imagine all of you, especially those with a claim to the Eastern Cape Province who are not necessarily there but would otherwise love to have been there. Your thoughts and comments, please. The Eastern Cape's Premier is on the line. <laughs> Call Songhez or now 891 104
That is a classic statement in the Xhosa language that says those who are prepared and are up to the task, they shall prevail. And those who are not, it will be quite obvious for them to be exposed to that particular community. So in that context, we are speaking now to the Eastern Cape's Premier, Mr. Oscar Mabuyane, about Eastern Cape province, who for the longest time were recording very low numbers to nothing, to now fast becoming the epicenter of the virus. If one considers the breakdown in the province, not good reading. Buffalo City Municipality, East London, 108. Nelson Mandela Bay, 127. Just between those two metros, we talk, we're talking about 230-odd, 240-odd people who have the virus, and of course it can spread like white fire. If you are from the Eastern Cape, specifically Nelson Mandela Bay, Buffalo City, we are also interested. Please do give us a call. Mr. Mabuyane, immediate release, 17 April 2020, you issued out a statement and you had mentioned the fact that it was inevitable that the COVID-19 virus was going to come to the Eastern Cape. And because of that inevitability, first of all, there would have been planning that was taking place for what you knew you were going to deal with. Not only that, you were given the buffer in terms of time that the Eastern Cape province sort of caught on to the virus somewhat late. So that did give you a bit of time to prepare. Is that correct? Yes, it gave us a bit of time to prepare. Uh, but when you are dealing with a matter like this, you will never be 100% perfect sure. in your preparation. Excellent. But uh, we are actually relatively okay. We have prepared ourselves in terms of quarantine, in terms of isolation, in terms of hospital beds. Uh, we are very actually comfortable with the work that we have done. And uh, we continue with our awareness programs and training because even our professional health staff needs an, an ongoing training around this issue and our public itself mm. so that we deal with issues of stigma around existing riches in rural areas. You still have a sense that uh, people actually react differently on the matter. So we are actually, it has given us a bit of time, and but we continue learning every day mm. and we correct mistakes as well as we move forward. In your statement, you mentioned that you has at then identified as many as 127 accommodation facilities, including hospitals, nursing homes, nature reserves, hotels, BNBs, to be used for accommodation of people that will need to be quarantined. So, I mean, you, you've got to be applauded for that because at any one time, the assumption that carries with that statement is there are 127 facilities who are available to assist the Eastern Cape province. Of course, that doesn't come without challenges or scandals, and I want you sp- to spend time talking about if that is what is in your statement most recently as Friday the 17th, how can we get what we all know about Mioka? In fact, you had to issue a statement around Mioka. What can you tell us about Mioka? The bed and breakfast well, in Zala. Yes. Uh, firstly, our position in government is that uh, we're using public facilities uh, for quarantine uh, as well as for uh, isolation because we can't really afford the rates of what we are getting from the uh, privately owned facilities. But where uh, necessary, we will have to engage as, as we are putting those beds, those 127, they include both public and private. The Mioka story, uh, the preliminary report that came about was that Mioka, because people were identified with us, came in the morning in that rural area of Bankies. And uh, people had to be moved because the leadership at jock level, at, at that local level, felt strongly that those people cannot sleep there in their homes. Because in rural areas, if you are sick, everyone comes in to look after you. Uh, and uh, people didn't know about all this virus uh, uh, much uh, uh, better 
So they said, like, to stop the virus so that it doesn't really engulf the entire village. Rather, remove these uh, 17, 18 people that were already uh, had their results that were confirming. But they struggled to get that information, uh, those kind of beds, enough to accommodate those people because of the short notice and their decision that they wanted to move. They ended up getting that New Yorker as a transitional arrangement while the close-by local hospital was preparing some wards to accommodate those people. That's why those people were removed immediately into that hospital when that hospital was able to avail certain wards and beds. As we speak, those people are there. No government money was spent in New Yorker. There is no issue uh, about New Yorker anymore, as we have indicated in the past. Now our people are safe, and uh, we send emissaries today again to make a follow-up. Uh, when we hear a lot of uh, VN that we're still talking about people complaining there in the hospital, to talk to staff, to talk to employees, because the unions were also uh, throwing in a lot about the safety of uh, uh, other uh, other patients and other and uh, the professionals there. MEC Health was here was there today and with other two MECs to ensure that that matter is actually attended to properly. And if there is a need, mm. uh, those people can also be taken to a proper state. Because this isolation is about also giving people the time to heal, people time to recover. That's why it is not a matter of a mass that everyone, if is found positive, is a hospital uh, candidate. You yes. can't be isolated at home where there are proper facilities no, for and sure. space, uh, to do so. But unfortunately, in rural areas, unlike in uh, affluent areas, it's going to be difficult. People are sharing the same pit latrine in the garden, etc. So you've got to look at those kind of issues uh, that you needed to move. Mm. And something like that, really unexpected, in a rural area, coming like that, it was a kind of a shocker, which made everyone to, to take almost uh, such kind of abrupt decision, which we've already corrected now. And then everything now is in order. And we've learned a lesson out of that, and we're making it a point that we're moving forward. But also the issue of uh, the kind of a, a reaction uh, which came to also surrounding communities, people expressing all... Before you go there, Mr. Mabuyana, because we are going to get there, I just okay. want to engage a couple of the assertions that you have made. In fact, you have said it now a second time because in your statement you say we appreciate more the fact that they were able to accommodate the people who needed quarantine and isolation at no cost to government until the yes. government was able to find an alternative venue. Of course, yes. we are talking now about the owner of Mioka BNB. This is the information you had and you have confirmed now. That owner, incidentally, happens to be the daughter of an appointee of yours, Weziwe Tigana, who is the MEC for roads and transport in the province. So at outside facts, we certainly have the perception of nepotism in that of all the 127 facilities, the first opportunity that is available to quarantine people goes to a bed and breakfast in Kala for people who come from Falbank, where Queenstown and Dordrecht are closer, where there are many public facilities available. Think about that. Here's a follow-up. She is on record as having said that she cannot disclose how much she was paid. Why? Because she has a private client relationship with the government. But if you ask the government how much they paid, they would have to tell you because in any event, that is the information they have to declare. Government in the Eastern Cape doesn't get higher than you because you are the most accounting officer of that province. One set of facts, two different responses. Was this lady at Mioka paid? Yes, in other words, it supports what she has said, or no, it supports what you have said. The report I have uh, so far says no money of government was paid. That's why I've instructed the DG in the province 
uh, to work on that because two departments that were involved, the health and public works, they have to give us more report on that because we have to take a decision immediately we hear about this thing, all of us not knowing, to say, make the hospital available in line with our decisions to ensure that we isolate people in the public facilities. So that issue on its own uh, within the government, uh, it was still going to be further investigated to ensure that it is never committed or actually a mistake of that nature is committed again. But Excellent. there is no money of government that has been paid uh, there. That's, a, that's a, a preliminary report that I've got as a premier. So okay. that was a question to say, we can't be paying that. So as of the 20th of April, you can confirm no money has been paid. And on the basis of everything you have said, you can equally confirm no money shall be paid to Mioka. It is my characterization. No, no money shall be paid to Mioka. And no money has been paid to New Yorker. Excellent. There we go. People of Gala, perhaps you can ask some questions further to this, but I have it on record from the voice of the Premier, who is the Chief Accounting Officer of the province. Nobody who is associated to Mioka has been paid for the facility being made a quarantine site as at now, the 20th of April. And further to this, nobody in relation to Mioka, in relation to this particular procurement, shall be paid. So in other words, what we know is that Mistigana, that is the owner of the bed and breakfast, the owner and being the daughter of um, the MEC, has not been paid. So what she is saying is not accurate. Let's take a couple of calls then. Masono Abe in Whitbank, and then we go to KGM in Rustenburg, respectively. Good evening. Uh, good evening, sir. How are you? Well, sir, how are you? And I'm doing well, sir. Uh, I just have two questions for your speaker over there, sir. Uh, being a man from Eastern Cape and myself, and uh, it's really alarming and really sort of um, rather would make one feel uncomfortable yeah, the fact that this COVID-19 has come to expose the structural, structural defects that have been there for a while, such as the fact that the Eastern Cape is reported to be the poorest province in the country, and yet in terms of potential, we are probably the, the, the richest province in terms of like potential and the Eastern Cape also experiences the highest uh, exodus of uh, 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 skilled labor in the country. So, and my question for the gentleman there in studio is that what are they doing currently to address poverty in the Eastern Cape? And uh, also, why are they laid back in? I mean, why? Why do they have this laid-back approach in addressing poverty and uh, in addressing uh, inequality in the Eastern Cape? Thank you very much, sir. Thank you so much, Masobane Masonwabe. We appreciate that calling us from Mbumalanga. Let's go to Rustenburg, KGM. Good evening. Good evening, Sagasi. Good evening to the Premier and to the listeners. Yes, sir. Um, so, a quick one to the Premier, which is a continuation of the previous caller. I think we need to look, as much as we're handling uh, COVID-19 now, we also need to be proactive in looking beyond uh, the lockdown period, beyond COVID. Um, Premier, we, we, we have always extended a helping hand to the province. Uh, I'm on record as, as having said, we want to work with you. We want to work with your government in the, in the province in as far as the alleviation of poverty, which the previous uh, speaker alluded to. Um, Songezo, you interviewed me last Wednesday. I, I, I'm on record offering to help 
formalize the informal sector. I'm very passionate about the Eastern Cape because of the, the involvement that we have in, in that part of the country. Uh, the Premier, uh, if, if he could take us up, um, if we could minimize the red tape, uh, so that, like the previous caller alluded to, we shouldn't have a situation where we think uh, the Premier's government or any government for that matter is luxury in approach in, in terms of the socioeconomic uh, conditions and the disparities in the province. And the last point, mm. uh, will, will the Premier be willing, because I've, I've been knocking at his door for quite some time. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go long into this. But in light of what will, will happen beyond the, the COVID-19, is the Premier still willing to engage uh, entrepreneurs like myself who are willing to invest in the province uh, so that we, we deal with the issue of poverty and unemployment in the province? Songezo, Excellent. thanks for taking my call. We appreciate your call indeed. Let's go to Bulugwane. John, good evening. Good evening. How are you, Songezo? Well, sir, how are you? Yeah, good man, and and, and greetings to 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 Comrade Oscar. There. You know, uh, I I I wanted to to check with uh, Mr. Mapuyani as to this uh, proposal that they are making or the issue that I heard that uh, they are proposing that there should be you know any kind of catering during a funeral. Uh, have they ever tried that in the Eastern Cape? Uh, you know, you know, because we know people slaughtering a cow. On Thursday, and then uh, have they ever tried to say no food? Had it wet, so that uh, maybe other provinces can also look into it. All right, fantastic. Let's go to. Okay, no, appreciate that. Thanks so much, brother John in Bulugwane. Final call, please. Let's go to East London. Vuyo, good evening. Uh, good, good evening, Mr. Mapeg. How are you? Well, sir, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I've just got two questions for the premier. Um. Uh, Premier Maswale, you said it yourself that as the Eastern Cape, you uh, had Premier Mabuyane, you mean, right? Sorry, Premier Mabuyane, yes. sorry. You you had a head start uh, in, in this whole thing. Now, the first question is, why did you not close the borders of the Eastern Cape when uh, you had the opportunity to? Uh, we all know that a lot of people um, flocked into the Eastern Cape after the president announced uh, that there would be a lockdown. Um, the second question is, a lot of people have been complaining on social media about the fact that our MEC is, is not a medical doctor. You know, it's, I think it's a no-brainer that, uh, that you, it's a very important position that she is in. I mean, if, if, if uh, let's say, a bridge collapses, you're not going to call a lawyer or a doctor to go, uh, to go fix a bridge, you're going to call engineers. Why is it that our MBC is not a medical doctor? Thank you. Thank you indeed. Pesh, this is a good opportunity. Premier, please listen to me. You've got three minutes to respond to all of these because I understand you've got another call waiting after this, so please. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I agree with Sumasonwabe. It's uh, unfortunate that uh, the, it is historical that the Eastern Cape has been where it is uh, for years and years, centuries, uh, so to speak. Uh, in terms of the, the structural de- uh, developmental uh, arrangement. And uh, this is what we've been working on. Uh, as we were starting this uh, sixth term, we articulated clearly our 10-year vision, the 2030 vision, on wh- what do we think we will probably would be doing to ensure that uh, we uh, work on that and trying to reverse as much as we can and create more 
kind of a vibrant uh, developmental arrangement uh, in the province, getting opportunities to ensure that our people are no longer traveling all over the country looking for jobs that they can still find in the province. That plan is still there. It's unfortunate that this uh, world pandemic has really disrupted uh, most of the plans that we had in place that we will still be pursuing uh, beyond this. So that's exactly the issue. That's why in rural areas, you still have our people flocking into town for them to do shopping, food, and uh, medical, because all rural areas are just out there. And a month uh, here in the Eastern Cape, social security grant is almost about $2 billion that is being pumped into all these rural areas. So we're looking at that and how we develop that, how to deal with issues of poverty, etc. We're looking at the a short uh, to medium and uh, medium to long-term plan. And uh, we suppose not to be, we should be a food basket of the country. If you look at all the issues of the livestock, uh, we have huge arable land. These are issues that were packaged in terms of our 10-year uh, vision. So we should be able to supply as many as other uh, people uh, from the province. So we're going to be looking there, focusing on agriculture in terms of our economic uh, turnaround situation. Yes, we do have our... Uh, economic recovery plan, uh, which will be actually neatly dovetailed to what National is working on. Uh, Your call has been placed on hold. Please wait. Really? Goodness. Mr. Premier, are you still there? Come on. Your call has... Mr. Premier, are you still there? Please wait. Let's take a quick ad break. We'll continue the conversation. It is possible that the Premier may not return, but in any event, Dr. Luvuyo Bayeni, who is the technical advisor to the Eastern Cape Health MEC, Ms. Cindy Swagomba, will take us through to the balance of this hour. So all of the conversation items, topics that you had raised for the Premier, Mr. Bayeni, is more than in a position, especially as they relate to health, to answer that. Let's take the break and we continue after this. Thanks so much. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapete on SAFM. On the line now is Dr. Luvuyo Bayeni, Technical Advisor to the Eastern Cape's Health MEC, Mama Cindy Swakomba. Um, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate that. I do understand that you have been listening to this conversation. So I'm going to get straight into it because it's a pity we couldn't probe more of what the Premier had to say. I understand that the MEC for Health, Ms. Gomba, is on record saying that she knew nothing about the Mioka Lodge in Gala being used as a quarantine site. Is that correct? Um, also, let's, uh, let me take this opportunity and appreciate that you have managed to put us on through. I do apologize that my MEC could not be available at this time, and uh, hence you guys were then referred to get hold of me. Um, on the issue of the Mioka um, incident, I think you are right that the MEC, even on the first briefing that was held last Friday, she did indicate. However, into the context of the matter, she equally as well indicated that in terms of our arrangement and our plans, these COVID cases are being managed and handled at a different level. And at that stage, when she was made aware of the patients that were being tested positive from that family and that area, she did indicate that the district manager would then be the most appropriate person to be closely consulted for that matter. And as far as she knows of the issue of sending people to, to the BNP, indeed, at the time of the incident having taken place, she did even report to the media on the Friday press briefing that she was indeed not aware of. Is, is that not concerning, that something as big as a 
provincial national disaster. The first time the Eastern Cape province is called to quarantine her people because if they get that wrong, it might have seriously dire consequences. The person in charge of health, the MEC, is not aware of something which has picked up the wind that it has precisely for all of the wrong reasons, some of which on your own confirmation now is the ignorance of the MEC. Not necessarily. One, let's, let's also correct the fact that that was not necessarily the first quarantine for the Eastern Cape. Um, remember, in, in the province, we did have incidents where there were cases that were confirmed positive, some of them being traveling and visitors outside the province who have been staying at different places and different lodges. And immediately, the involvement of the Department of Health, including the MEC, and in consultation with the Premier was then to say, let's quarantine those people even where they were. The other incidences even included protecting the community with people that were coming from Germany, uh, and those people were then also um, advised and kept at a quarantine. The other incident that we might also know of is the case of a candidate or a patient that was also quarantined in one of our hospitals in the form of Madualene under Amatoy. So we, we have been having incidences and cases Yes, it might have been first for Christani, and then it might sound as if it became a bit different or odd. And uh, yes, and, and I think when I'm narrating these incidents, it does indicate that we would not necessarily want to paint and, and label the MSC as having been ignorant in that particular case. But she did not know on her own account. So, I mean, how else can you qualify that? But equally so, I think when she, she did indicate to the media as well, remember there was also a account on her part that would have said, let's then handle this matter at a district level through the district management. Is is that position, sorry to interrupt you, sir, I'm sorry to interrupt you, is that precisely not the reason then the Eastern Cape finds herself in this position? If it is not the delegation of a duty that really should have been espoused by her, or worse, the dereliction of that duty that really should have been hers. This is precisely why now the kinds of challenges that have since surfaced are the ones that we are dealing with. People are moving from Falbank to Tala, some 150 kilometers away. They stay there a couple of days, an uproar is made for all of the procurement-associated reasons and the ostensible um, nepotism claims that are there. Then the people are then taken to Glen Grey Hospital. The integrity now, the, 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 the health integrity of what is happening is that, and, and you, I see you are a, a medical doctor, is, is that yes. something that could not have been avoided altogether? Yes, obviously, in retrospect, we would all agree, and I think the confirmation and the actions even what the Premier had since alluded to, of how they had made the, the case ended up in handling. It obviously does allude to say we could have done things a bit different, and hence there was that speedy response to see how things can then be resolved after there was, like you mentioned, some... Um, uh, well, for the lack of a better word, you could say from some noise um, that was made regarding that. But equally so, I think uh, maybe as much as now we are narrating the matter a week later, but at the time when the incident happened, even when it comes to the sequence of events thereof, indeed when people did indicate that there was that questionable arrangement that took place, and I think at the time there were speedily interventions even from the MEC herself, including deploying uh, literally so the SG of the department to go to visit and make those necessary arrangements that were since made in terms of the Glen Grey arrangement. 
Fantastic. I, I, I do want to follow up. Now yeah. that, I mean, for instance, if we yeah. raised an important point, we always knew this thing was going to grow. It was a question of time. The Premier has made that concession. Ms. Dr. Zulim Kiza, the Minister of Health, had made that concession. What safeguards before the fact did the Eastern Cape take? For instance, has there been any memorandum of understanding between the Eastern Cape and the Western Province governments in relation to the influx of people in between the provinces? We know it happens. Has there been something similar between the Gauteng governments, the control of the N1, the N2, and the N6 in Alwal North for the purposes yes. of preventing exactly what happened a week and a bit ago when you had some five to 500 to 1,000 taxis lining up Western outside Prince Albert? Now, of course, Abandu Abameli, and we, we, we make that concession, but equally, because the government knows that and can anticipate those things, what measures has the government, to the extent that it can, make right. sure that we don't have more infections because of people making use of the porous borders currently of the Eastern Cape? Um, thank you very much. When we were planning the issue of the borders, I think um, the first premier's briefing posed the declaration by the president in terms of the declaring the, the, the disaster. In one of the attributions that was made from the Premier through an, a submission from the MEC was to say, can we then have border access and control? That was one of the initial plans. And at the time, when we looked at it, we then said, in the province, these are the end points that we have. Obviously, Western Cape is mainly in, is affected by Sarapatman as a district. You've got your N1 from Free State is affected by Joker amongst other borders. However, what I want to emphasize is that I, is the MEC has even said, when we talk of borders, let's not only talk of formal borders. Let's also look at the informal borders. Then this came to a work that had to be done, including intergovernmental relations with the local municipalities and the district municipalities. Because remember, as much as we are saying this is a health-led um, intervention, when it comes to the issue of porous borders, you would expect that your local municipalities would know better as to whether officially we've got this as an entry route and six. However, we know that through our interaction with our communities, there have been other entries that have been then uh, identified. So that was the initial planning. That's what we, we have been advocating for even through the MSP of Health Namukop. We then went further to say, even before the, the, the incidences of the Easter weekend, which we might have seen on social media of sending several Texas blogs um, around Aberdeen time, Sarah Batman as a district as led by the DM under the delegation of the MSC, then started a week earlier to say, let's control our interests, including the the, the Sisikama route. And so there has been those interventions that were even made prior to the official and formal announcement because we then understood the context and how the Eastern Cape is functioning. And yes, we must agree that at some stage, when we go and do this intervention, we might not always be as perfect as we want. However, let's accept that our force on the ground has been out there, has been doing the work. And yes, um, like you say, sometimes we know people about Manhattan, which is why even two weeks later after the lockdown has been announced, you could still find several texts being blocked even at the entrance of Upper Bin, um, on the side of, 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 of Sarah Batman coming from Western Cape through your preferred West and Willowmore area. Okay, excellent. Let's take a call. We have Lukanyo from MTATA, and then we have two voice notes for the attention of Dr. Luvuyo Bayeni, Technical Advisor to the Eastern Cape Health MEC, Cindy Swakomba. Good evening, Lukanyo. Good evening, Songezo. Yes, I just have got two questions. 
Yes, I just have heard the Premier talking about Eastern Cape uh, having an, a huge number of people relying on social grants, of which I'm one of those. And we've got children who started from, like mine is at the University of Cape Town. He's back here home. In terms of uh, ensuring that we quarantine, our, okay, we keep our children indoors, what is it that they have done to ensure that the connectivity so that the end can access this e-learning is possible? Because if you come here in Umdada, it's very, it's very tough to get connected to any, any network here. We even suffer to get the correct network. Second question is to the Department of Health. I am suffering, I'm a glaucoma uh, suffering person. I'm a blind person due to glaucoma. Going, there's only one hospital that you can go for if you have got an eye problem like myself, which is in Umtata in town. And yet I have to take two taxes before I reach the hospital. And taxes by 10, they are not there. And you have to choose there. What else then they, do they think must be done? Because if you look at the, the entire former Transkai area, we are from far away from this only hospital. And even these children that I'm talking about that we, we, we are, are, are supposed to use this e-learning, what provision has our mm. government in the province Excellent. done? Because we are only solely dependent to these social grants to assist our children. And yet we cannot afford to buy all these data and these laptops. Thank you so much. You're calling us from MTAT. A couple of voice notes, please. Good evening, Sungezo. This is Simi from Suwitu. You know, it's really funny that when... We speak of COVID-19, and then it's hush-hush. We're not supposed to speak speak about the people who were the main source of this disease here in South Africa. But when we speak of HIV AIDS, it, like you guys in the media and politicians, we just mentioned that it's a disease that's, that is prevalent among Africans. But when we speak of COVID-19, it's hush hush. You don't want you want people to mention that it's a disease that is rife among white people because they're the ones who brought it to South Africa. Hashtag the viewpoint. Evening, evening, song as and the premier. This is also too deep in Peter Murray's back, 105.0. My question to Premier is that how are they making sure that people they adhere to this regulation, especially those who are busy with Uksoga, because it was made clear that there is no circumcision that will take place now during this lockdown. So how far are they with those people? Thank you so much, Putim Zwandile. Thank you so much to the caller before that. And so I forgot the name. Thanks so much, nonetheless. Do you want to respond to that, uh, Dr. Bayen? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much, Songhez. Um, I think they were very straightforward, the three questions we've got. I think I noted three. Um, one was the one that talked to the issue of the glaucoma and how we are then expanding uh, to the patient, the services of that unnecessary, especially tertiary healthcare services. Indeed, it is true that in the Eastern Cape, we've got one central hospital as the category and classification. And that hospital happens to be in Antarctica and is referred to as Nelson Mandela Academic Hospital. By regional uh, areas, then it is servicing what we refer to as the Eastern Region, which will include your Oar Campo and your Alfredo, and a certain area of Christian in terms of peripheral practice. So indeed, we do acknowledge that people might seem or feel as if they are taking too long or they are being referred far, but it is just how maybe the nature and the categorization. However, what we have also been practicing very efficiently was to promote and make sure that we strengthen what we refer to as the outreach program. 
which in simple English means that as much as the specialists are centered or allocated in the Nelson Mandela Academic Hospital in Umtat, but the program that exists is such that they would then go out and go to closer areas where they can be able to see the patient. Most of the time, you will look at the capacity of the facility, and we know that you would then have your regional hospitals, which are a second layer to your special hospitals, and you would also have different hospitals that you would then say, let's uplift this one. So there are those programs that are taking place around the OR Campbell site. And we would advise and advocate that when people still feel that maybe those are not being put into full implementation or full use, we are more than welcoming them to make submissions to say, I am this patient, this is my route, this is where I'm traveling. And yes, I agree with you that I do. we do have St. Elizabeth, which is a regional hospital in the city, city, which we can use, but you have not been using it. And those submissions will be more than welcomed by the department, especially by the clinical team. Remember, clinical team and academics equally have that obligation and that responsibility, and most of them that passion to want to serve its rural communities, to want to serve its people that cannot afford to go to their specialists in terms of private care or, um, or affordability. So there is that enthusiasm character within our academics and the young academics that, and specialists that we are recruiting. The second one that talks to how are we comparing or why are we not treating it differently or the approaches versus the HIV, if I had the caller correctly. I think one of the things that makes us to be more than prepared to come to your show, Sonia, is to say, why is it that one people want to start stigmatizing people that are positive for coronaviruses? Because at the end of the day, we all know that we have got an equal responsibility to prevent this corona, including those of us who are knowing people who are positive. Because you might know me to be positive, all to find that I've listed you as a conduct as well, which means tomorrow the tracing team will come and test you, and we do not know what will be the outcome of your result. So you can't start today being stigmatizing against me because you still haven't confirmed your results. No, I so get you. So we are indeed saying that people should try and treat this um, pandemic of the corona in the most humane way, if, if for a lack of a better way to say. For sure. Let's I'm going to have together. to interrupt you there, um, yeah. because I've got a couple of questions. First of all, Falbank areas, Gomani, what is being done to make sure whatever is there is being contained there? And this I'm tying to the question because on our Twitter feed, there is a post here by Mkabai Usistwai saying, Lusigisigi today, and all she shows is a video of what typically looks like a typical Eastern Cape town, if that makes any sense. My sister saying that Imtata and surrounding areas, Butterworth and Nobo, are Kokwa lockdown. It is business as usual. How do we get law enforcement agencies in 10 seconds to enforce the lockdown in those parts of the Eastern Cape? I think the first thing that we must appreciate the fact that people are raising these areas and highlighting them. It's, it's going to be an intergovernmental approach. Uh, Health will obviously be sending and reminding um, the Department of Safety and Liaison to say, can you assist us? Law enforcement has been increased to even include SANTF, which is a national competence in its nature. But this is a commitment that government is trying to make. And we appreciate when people will then indicate which areas that they feel a compliance is a problem. But nevertheless, as this in case, the Premier and the MEC, those are some of the issues that they've been raising. Ten seconds, please. In, all right. That to say that the only problem that we're picking up is compliance. And we're asking that people must comply. Felbank plan, we have then done the mass screening, especially focusing on areas that we have managed to find people that are positive. So that's the plan that's going to continue. Excellent. To Let's go into mass screening and make sure that people are protected from the threat. We could never have a full conversation in an hour talking to two senior members of the Eastern Cape government. The more one asks questions and gets answers, 
the more one has questions, on another day we will have to continue this conversation perhaps with other premiers or members of the Executive Council in the province. 2101, sorry Greg, I had to. Good evening, how are you? I miss you dear friend.